This is Starbucks Lovers, a Taylor Swift podcast hosted by Maggie Lovett. Welcome to Starbucks Lovers, a Taylor Swift podcast, a podcast that goes through Taylor Swift's entire musical catalog chronologically. This season, we're discussing the beginning of Taylor Swift's career, starting with her self-titled debut album. Today, we'll be discussing three lesser-known tracks from Taylor Swift's debut. But before we get to that, I need to introduce two very special Starbucks lovers. Joining us today is the geeky waffle herself, Candace Kaw. Hey, Maggie. Hey, and our returning guest, Arzua Min from Space Waffles. Hello. Thank you both so much for joining me today. Very excited to talk some Taylor. More Taylor. I feel like I live here now. You do. You do. You're like a a resident (laughs) co-host. But we have so much Taylor Swift news that has come out in the past week. But before we get to that, since this is Candace's very first time on Starbucks Lovers, I want to get to know who she is as a Swifty. So are you ready for these questions? Yeah. (laughs) So when did you become a Taylor Swift fan? It was around when her debut album came out. I was trying not to be a fan because my mother's a Southern woman who hates country music. Like country music was not allowed in the house. Oh, no. My father likes Garth Brooks for some reason. And like he could not play Garth Brooks around her. Oh, wow. That's, yes. that's such an experience, especially since the debut is so twangy. Yeah. So I was like, I can't like this because I was taught not to like country. <laughs> and then like our song was on the radio all the freaking time because this was before when people actually listened to the radio. And they even had the, the pop version mm-hmm. and yeah. tear, teardrops on the guitar pop version, too. That's and such a the- good track, though. I have to say the pop version. So. It is really good. And you know what? The songs ended up on my iPod shuffle. Well, there you go. I'm guessing that the debut is not your favorite album, but which is your favorite album? It's Lover. Oh, very nice. Uh, So what are your top five songs? Okay, so this is really hard. Everyone says that. But yes, okay. Lover (laughs) is obviously a top um, one. I think it has the most romantic line in all like history of songs is like you'll save the dirtiest jokes for me and I'll yes. always save you a seat. At every table, I'll save you a seat. I think that is the most romantic thing anyone could ever say. <laughs> like, I remember the first time I heard that lyric and I was like, oh, Taylor really loves Joe. Like, yeah, that's, that's like, love right there. That's love. Yeah. Even though Taylor keeping your Christmas lights up till January is like normal. That's Maybe not she meant the thing. end of January. Okay. I think it was because... Like when you like live at home and you're like a kid and stuff, like you usually have to put your Christmas ornaments up and lights up whenever your parents do. And having that like mature love where you have your own house and your own place and like you can do your own thing. That's how I took it. Um, But it is such a funny line. I'm like, who was telling you to take your lights down, Taylor? (laughs) December 31st. Down they go. (laughs) I keep them up like beginning of January, at least they're still up. See, like, I have my Halloween decorations up all year. Like, that's my holiday that stays up (laughs) year-round. My next one is Cruel Summer. Yes. um, For reasons. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Another is August, which I I just love this idea of looking back, but not being, Mm -hmm. like, bitter quite, but, like, looking back at a relationship that didn't end well. 
but mm-hmm. you can kind of have like some nostalgia with it because I feel like I'm at that age where, yeah, things hurt me when I was a teenager, but like you can kind of look back and it's not as bad. And Enchanted, Enchanted is just so cute. It's adorable and just like heartfelt and mm-hmm. it's not quite like the preteen crush. It's like that real like first time you like think you're in love kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That like late teens, I early 20s, I was like, yes, this is real. And then Blank Space is just hilarious. Oh, I love that one. That music video? That, oh, those dresses. Not, not that I love the song because of the dresses, but like, darling, I'm a nightmare dressed like a daydream. So many great lines in that one the song. The number of times I've put that lyric as a caption on a photo on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> that, that song, I swear, like, I put it on repeat like when I was cleaning one day and I didn't realize but an hour went by and I had just listened to that one song (laughs) and I was fine with it oh I love that but I just love that she's like kind of making fun of herself and what her critics say and she's having a good time doing it since you're one of our first guests that loves lover I love lover as well my background as you can see on uh where we're recording is the lover theme um but I have not gotten to ask this question of somebody who loves Lover. What did you think of me as the single? It was different. She's always trying to reinvent herself, at least in the past few years. So I understood, like, why she did it. And also, like, the duet is great. And it's super catchy. It's It's fun. It's a fun song. But so many people, like, hate it. And I'm like, it's fun, guys. Just have fun. Hey, kids. Smelling's fun. I will say... That that single is the reason I didn't listen to Lover until a couple months ago. <laughs> I thought because that you was thought it vi- was all like that? I thought it was fine, but I thought that was the vibe of the whole album. And then Maggie was like, no, like, I think you'll really like, like, Paper Rings and you'll really like Cruel Summer. Just, like, try the album. Paper and now Rings I is also one of my favorites, time. too. It's so I, like, good. I'm obsessed with Paper Rings. And I didn't listen to it until a couple months ago because I thought all of it was that kind of and then the other single was You Need to Calm Down. And I'm like, okay, it's all like this. Yeah. So I didn't give the album similar. a try because that was the single. Okay. So I was a wedding photographer for a few years until like Bridezilla's like scared me away. And it stopped being fun. But I swear to God, if I ever hear another Ed Sheeran song or that stupid <laughs> Twilight song, I will go crazy. But after Lover came out, anyone I knew who was getting married, I was like, Paper Rings, Lover. Those are the two songs. I don't want to hear anything else. You are not allowed to use Ed Sheeran's perfect. Or that I have waited a thousand years for you when the 19-year-old married a century-old man. Okay? Do not play that song. I just saw the sweetest TikTok of a couple who walked down the aisle to Enchant It. And it was the most beautiful, like, orchestral version of the song. Oh, my God. That's amazing. I I just I cried and it was it was a it was a gay couple and they talked about how like that was their like secret pining song because when they started being in a relationship it was like still fairly frowned upon in their like community and getting to walk down the aisle to that was like change their lives kind of moment for them it was such a sweet TikTok and I was like bawling but I was like I had never thought to use Enchant It for like the present like the processional at a wedding i was like this is a good song it makes a lot of sense it has the right tempo and everything Mm -hmm. for it i loved it it was enchanted oh i got chills i I love that so much i was like as soon as i saw that enchant it was on your list because i feel like that's not one people usually put on their top five they tend to lean more towards like her more of the singles that like everybody 
listens to now. So I love your top five. I'm well, <laughs> I love the sad songs, but I can't listen to them all the time. So they're not like quite my favorite. Like All mm-hmm. Too Well is beautiful and amazing, but it makes me feel things that I do not need feel to feel. <laughs> Speaking of favorite tracks, what is your favorite track on debut? I mean, I think like Tim McGraw is a classic, but uh, Picture to Burn is just so much fun, which at the time, like I heard that song, I had been like, I started, was dating a guy who was actually still like with his girlfriend who he told me was his ex-girlfriend. Ew. Candace. Scandalous. Yeah. I know. I know. I was an idiot. <laughs> was it an illicit affair? <laughs> no, it didn't go that far. I shut it down. <laughs> smart (laughs) yeah but it was just like so yeah picture to burn is just so much fun oh i love that for like good reasons not sad reasons yeah (laughs) and you know it's funny you mentioned all too well because i am not doing all too well right now because we are getting so much taylor swift news this week um when i was doing my notes for this we had only a few things and it's so funny looking back at my notes because i was like taylor is allegedly filming something (laughs) For the release of Red. And today, uh, you know, I thought it was kind of funny. Yesterday, we were potentially going to record today's episode. And then I was like, no, I think Taylor's going to release something tomorrow. And like, sure enough, she was on or she wasn't presently on uh, GMA this morning. But she released that she is making a this 10-minute short film for All Too Well, which stars um, Dylan O'Brien and Sadie Sink. Uh, and I'm sure Jake Dylan Hall is quaking somewhere. Um <laughs> I also think it's hilarious that the two people that she cast to obviously play her and Jake Gyllenhaal are the exact age difference between her and Jake Gyllenhaal. Dylan O'Brien is 30 years old and Sadie Sink is uh, 19. So that is how old they were when they dated. Uh, And so I'm assuming that Taylor Swift is maybe playing Maggie Gyllenhaal in this situation. Taylor is nothing Um, if not very deliberate. Very much a fan of her. Very into this. I did not realize they had that big of an age difference. Oh, yeah. I yeah. knew they had an age difference. I didn't know it was the exact age difference. I didn't. She was 19 when they were dating and he was 30. I'm trying to imagine dating a 19 year old at my age. No, no. But, you know, Taylor was so mature. Yeah. So I think it'll be really interesting to see that as like a physical depiction of that relationship. Um, and I'm curious to see how far she delves into it because I know. It's 10 minutes, so it's not a lot. And she and Jake only publicly dated for three months, which isn't like a lot, but all too well, 10 minutes. They spent Thanksgiving together, didn't they? They spent Thanksgiving together. Oh, that's big. That's not something you do with a three-month relationship. No. And uh, somebody on TikTok reminded me of this fact that like a couple months after they broke up, uh, he did an interview and somebody asked him about being in love. Like, how many times have you been in love or something? And he said he'd only been in love one time, uh, which presumably was when he dated uh, Kirsten Dunst because they were together for almost four years, I think. Right. Um, yeah. So Jake Gyllenhaal deserves all, all of the shade he's going to be getting next Friday. Um, very much here for it. Um I just I am so excited to see what Taylor does. I love her vision on a lot of her music videos that she's done in recent years where she's had more creative control um, and to get to see her actually like fully direct something um, that's Didn't longer she... than the three music. Oh, yeah. She did the man one. She mm-hmm. directed that one. 
yeah, I'm really excited to see what she does. Um, this is definitely her her uh, her run for getting that egot. <laughs> it's Oscar season. It's it's, it's a short season. film. If it com- all she has to do is play it in a theater somewhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. very minimal requirement. So I'm I'm curious to see if she does that. Um, I kind of feel like she will because it's that season when people are putting their short films into theaters in New York yeah. and LA to try to get their their shot at an Oscar nomination. And I think it would be really cool. And also, um, why else would she have done the Cats musical and wrote a oh, song? Oh, she absolutely not an Oscar for that. To want to get a no. Right? Like, I feel like it was a combination of working with Andrew Lloyd Webber and, cats. and then also Cats. <laughs> like, it's Just a double hitter cats, for her. Yeah. Uh, you cannot tell me that girl did not like Phantom of the Opera growing up. I can just, I can tell it from who she is as a person. Um, She's got that quality about her. She does. She definitely does. But in this lead up to the release of Red, Taylor's version, uh, she has unleashed so many new pieces of merch. Um, I actually picked up two this week. Um, Was it the scarf? No. Um <laughs> I was actually kind of disappointed that it wasn't an actual like replica of the the scarf that she actually wore, which I thought would have been kind of more on the nose. Like um, the sweater was, right? Mm-hmm. Like the sweater, the cardigan, I mean. I should say cardigan. Yes. Um, also, I'm just really weird about like knit stuff. And I was like, I don't want to buy a sweater or a scarf that I'm not going to actually end up wearing because it was kind of pricey. But I did buy a sweatshirt. It says Taylor's version on it. And I bought the red heart sunglasses. Cute. So very excited about that. I had bought her lover heart sunglasses and wore those quite a bit as well. But in this lead up, she's going to be on Jimmy Fallon and Seth Meyers this week on the 11th. So it'll already have happened by the time this episode um, airs. I'm very excited about that. Uh, She always gives really fun interviews, um, particularly with Jimmy Fallon. Like he can be kind of annoying as a host, but she's always so endearing with him. They have really good banter together. Um, And then she will also be on SNL this Saturday. Uh, today, if you're listening to this on the 13th, I'm very excited w- about that. She's musical guest with Jonathan Majors as the host. So excited about that. I really hope they talk about Tom Hiddleston behind the scenes. Yes, Jonathan uh, Majors, <laughs> whose last major project was Loki. Yes, I hope that comes up. Honestly, I have this hope, secret, secret wish. They convinced Taylor to be in a sketch and she's the Sylvie type character. Like, I have a secret wish. This is, I'm putting this into the cosmos. SNL writers of the future know me, (laughs) know what I want. Um, But yes, this is very much still a Hiddleswift podcast for better or for worse. Um, And I guess now it's time to roll into the songs of the month. Starting out, we are going to be discussing Invisible. Uh, which is the 13th track on the deluxe edition of Taylor Swift's album. The song clocks in at three minutes and 23 seconds, and it was released on October 26, 2006, and it was written solely by Taylor. It has been highly speculated that Invisible is about Drew Hardwick, a.k.a. the inspiration behind Teardrops on My Guitar, but no one has ever confirmed this as a fact. Other fans have also drawn comparisons between this track and her later track, You Belong With Me, um, with a very similar vibe, as well as just some of the kind of comparisons to the type of relationship in the song. Um, So for either of you, were there any standout lyrics that really stood out to you? Oh, I just love the line, we could be a beautiful miracle, unbelievable, instead of just invisible. It's just such like a dramatic thing to say. 
that the whole song is very dramatic and it's very like first crush. I'm never going to love again kind of thing. So much. I definitely re-listening to this. I was like, I am getting like secondhand embarrassment because this song took me straight back to being 13 year, like 13 years old again and like just pining after somebody. And it was just a big oof. <laughs> oh, you know that meme of the girl at the fountain or the kiddie pool just putting her hand in and staring at the water? Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's the song. Song. <laughs> I like uh, it was the same for me. Like I wasn't 13 when this came out, but I could see myself in my middle school like recess yard you know with the boy who's like one grade older than me and just pining and like let me love you let me want you and I'm like oh my god (laughs) it's such a visceral feeling yes that is exactly what I was gonna say this evokes such visceral emotions um I was really drawn to the line uh, and I just want to show you she don't she don't even know you. She's never going to love you like I want to. I was like, oh, I have baby, liked so many boys that girl. way. I've liked so many that way. Um, also, her voice sounds so different on this track. Yeah. Um, this must have been even, one of the first she recorded, maybe. That was very mm-hmm. young. Because like, she sounds different. the rest of the album. Exactly. Like she doesn't even sound like you belong, not you would belong with me. I have that on my, my mind right now, but she doesn't even sound like like teardrops on my guitar or something like that. Or or even Tim McGraw. Um, Yeah. It's, it makes me wonder when this was produced officially. Well, since it was kind of like a bonus track on, yeah, it could have been something they were like, we got it. Let's just throw it on. People Mm. will like it. It fits with the tone. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would love, I would love to hear her sing this now, um, with a much more mature voice, but I, I almost don't know if I could handle it having a 30 something year old woman singing this very puppy dog love, like just love me back. Do we know if she's going to re-record this album as her version too? I assume. I I, like figured she would, but. Cause it's, it's another one that the big machine produced so i'm assuming but i feel like she's gonna save it for last my theory is she's gonna combine this one with sparks fly and not do every song like do a mix of them because i I don't think she's she's gonna do better than revenge again like there's some songs i think she might she at least made that slightly better she fixed it (laughs) she fixed it yeah she removed that part of it it's no longer on the album You actually, like, every album after she changed it doesn't have it on it anymore. You have to find, like, the original run of the CDs to get those lyrics. Oh, I think I have that. But better than, like, what did she change in Better Than Revenge? She changed changed a line on it. I can't remember what it it was. She's known for what she does on the mattress? Yeah, I think she changed that on. I know she changed Picture to Burn. She yes. that one too. The gay. Like, oh, I, I'm going to tell my friends. I okay. told somebody <laughs> that she changed the line in Picture to Burn, and they were like, that's always been the line. I'm like, then why do mm-hmm. I have a different line on my phone? Yeah. Yeah. Not, not, not her, well, not the best moment. But she but learns and she changes. When you're, when you're mm-hmm. 14 in 2005, like, or whatever, like, it, it's not great, yeah, but that unfortunately. is. Unfortunately. And there were adults talks, around so. who could have been like, no, Taylor. What adult was going to yeah. stop her? Where do you think the kids learned it from? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Everybody was pretty bad back then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this is like a fun song um, to see how she has evolved, not only um, 
as a singer, but as a lyric writer, because like we've kind of addressed some cringy lyrics, some very pining young woman feelings. Um, and I think pairing this with some of the stuff on Fearless, on Evermore, on Folklore, even, you know, all this stuff now, even some of the stuff that came after it, very different. Um, and it's just, it's very fascinating to see how she has evolved over the years. Um, and now we are going to be moving on to the next track, um, which is the final track on her debut album, uh, which is A Perfectly Good Heart. Uh, and it was originally released as well on October 26, 2006. The song is three minutes and 40 seconds long. Taylor wrote this with Brett James and Troy Virgis. Uh, this track always felt like a first true heartbreak track. Something about the lyrics and the emotion feel like this was the first time somebody had broken Taylor's heart. Um, and I know I was definitely drawn to one line in particular, which was, why would you want to make the very first scar? Uh, which I thought was just such good imagery. And I think something that anybody who has had their heart broken can relate to, especially that first time. Like, we had something so good. Why did you want to be the one that, like, broke it for the very first time? Um, but what did either of you think of this one i was just i agree that it sounds like a first time thing because it doesn't have the lyrical complexity that even the rest of this album does like i'm not comparing taylor then to taylor now like even yeah. on the debut this was felt like a gut reaction like she is that mm -hmm. heartbroken just like why would you leave me and why would you break my heart and why would you make a scar and it's just very repetitive and very raw like she wasn't going for poetic she was just mm -hmm. hurting and just wrote it down like it sounds like a first draft in a way yes yeah and honestly this is one of my least favorite taylor Swift songs like Same. they she just says why would you wanna too many times for me that it just makes the whole song blur together it's but, a very long song to have yeah. very similar Cute. lyrics the whole time but she was like probably 15 or so when she wrote this so props mm -hmm. to her yeah, I definitely feel like this is like something you would write in your journal as you're trying to process that like, first breakup. Yeah. Um, because, I yeah, was really surprised when I yourself. learned that other people helped her write this yeah. because this does not sound like something two grown men assisted in writing. Invisible is so much better. And she wrote that one on her own when she was like 13 or 14, mm -hmm. you know. So it Could is surprising it that the two grown men streamlined it into what we see. Possibly. Or they made it worse. <laughs> not and like not necessarily streamlining in a good way, but could this be their influence? Because it doesn't sound like anything else on her album. No. I guess it's possible that they were trying to go for some of those more... I don't know. There were a lot of songs in the country genre that kind of had this vibe mm. at that period of time. Um, I'm blanking on the one that I'm... I have in my mind as a frame of reference but that more of like very repetitive thing that was going on at the time so maybe they were aiming to like appease that market and it ended up just falling really flat in my opinion um and there really wasn't a lot of good like standout lines like you said it's a lot of just why 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 it's literally the same um four words why would you wanna why would you wanna why would you wanna do this and it's it's an interesting song to choose to end with um, because you usually don't 
want to end with your weakest song because you want them to hit replay and hit your album again and not leave them being like, I need a break. I need to think about this for a couple days. Um, this was you know, so part inter- of the extended cut or this so was- it was like it was the deluxe version, like final final track on the deluxe edition and is the final one when you go to Spotify. So if you go on and listen to it that way or even on Apple Music, this is the last track that you hear definitely does not help the album be a no skip album which i don't really think she matures into having fully no skip albums until maybe speak now maybe fearless but this one's definitely kind of all over the place but controversially i very much enjoy the digital bonus i heart question mark which was part of her like ep beautiful eyes and was part of the Walmart exclusive, which is so funny to hear Walmart exclusive because now she like only does Target exclusive stuff. And this song is only three minutes and 17 seconds long. Uh, she originally wrote it in 2003 when she was only 13 years old. Part of her demo albums, which I discussed this track very briefly in the very first episode of Starbucks Lovers. And despite it being tied to the debut album, it was later released as a promotional song in 2008 to bridge the gap between debut and fearless because that period of time it was still a fairly lawless land in terms of getting music digitally. So even though a lot of Taylor Swift fans had gotten it digitally with the Walmart exclusive, we had to rely upon LimeWire to get, <laughs> you know, or things. LiveJournal. LiveJournal had a lot of links, and I think that's how I got this song. Yeah, I definitely. I have paid this- for a lot of Taylor stuff afterwards. I will say, <laughs> once I started making my own money, I have bought all yes. her albums. <laughs> So I thought it was interesting that they chose to then like release it, but because it was released in the weird period of time between the two albums, it didn't really get a lot of um, traction. Traction. I didn't hear it until we were going to do this. Honestly, like I was going to say like, this is my favorite from her debut, but it's not considered like part of the album. Yeah. It's weird. I requested Uh, to be on this one (laughs) because because you like (laughs) it's really good. It's It's like so freaking catchy. It was on my iPod shuffle all the time. It was like when I was walking around school, like I was like, when I had places to be, I would play the song. And it just like, you know, it was like this independent woman who had broken up, but she doesn't care because she has I heart question mark on the back of her hand. And I just love that. I love that. Yes. And I love something about that lyric kept making me think about the fact that she writes 13 on the back of her hand like the little through lines between all of the imagery that she uses that kind of has this invisible string connecting it to all of (laughs) her like who she is branded uh was really interesting to me uh like instantly like it was something i because i haven't listened to this in a long time but like i liked it when it first came out and so it was like kind of fun to listen to it again and be like, oh, I never noticed that the first time. And some of the meaning and the lyrics were were different now as an adult listening to it rather than, you know, a teenager. But yeah, like you said, like the lyrics are so shockingly good for something a 13 year old wrote. Yeah, y'all are younger than me, but did you guys also have um, like gel pens and like write your, you and your friends would oh, write yeah. things on your hands? Oh, yeah. Okay. I wasn't oh, sure yeah. if like this is a no. generational divide even though we're all millennials (laughs) i wasn't sure not that much younger than you i know i'm joking really (laughs) we would have been in elementary school in the same time yeah but like do you remember sparkly gel pens those were yes those were the like the neon one not the neon what am i thinking like the pastel ones that only worked on black paper 
Yes. Those well, the ones yes. I like. I just remember writing things in my hand all the time, like when I was 13. And yeah, you would like write the initials of the boy you like or something mm-hmm. like hearts and fun things like that. So like this is very like nostalgia based. But like I, I love that line. Wake up and smell the breakup. Taylor, you're hilarious. You're hilarious. You know, she was probably laying in bed, that. laying in bed one night and like wake up and smell the breakup. This is lyrical genius. <laughs> Which just goes to further prove my thought that those two guys ruined her Why Would You Want a Song, which I forgot the name. Oh, Perfectly Good Heart. <laughs> already forgot. I forgot it. Or it was that it a hundred times in the song, Arzu. Well, she says, why would you want a, a whole lot more? But it makes me think that they ruined it because that's what she wrote, like, supposedly later than mm-hmm. this. Like, the girl capable of this, then going to that seems like a weird move. I really feel like a perfectly good heart is something that she had like off on the side and was like, it's fine. It's not my best work. And then like the, the studio's like, Taylor, we need another song. And she's like, I guess yeah. this one this is a perfectly good song. She's like, oh, I found my journal from last year. I have this like line, a <laughs> couple of lines where I'm like, why would you want to do you want this? Is this going to work? Genius. Yeah. And then they just grab two guys out of the closet and be like, hey, work with her. one of my friends actually auditioned like when i was when we were 14 she auditioned with this i forget what record company she did a record and everything with them didn't go anywhere but she's like they would just pull out back backup singers and then songwriters from like different places in this record (laughs) recording studio and she's like they were just there this is like a 14 year old trying to explain to me like i love (laughs) recording No, it's just, it's, it's fun. And I hope, I have this like hope that when she does eventually get around to debut and maybe even releasing some of the stuff from her demo albums and some of the stuff that's just kind of sitting, like she had a hundred something songs that she wrote before the debut album ever even happened. And I have these hopes that she will release them at some point um in this re-release process i'm not sure if the unreleased tracks that she had during this period of time fall under that same contract that she had with big machine um you know if it's prevented her from releasing them on other albums or if she's repurposed them into some of the stuff that we've gotten since then but there's so much stuff out there and it's been so fun to go back over the debut album and reminisce on being a teenager again and feeling all of these emotions both secondhand embarrassment and mild rage and emotions um, and kind of recontextualizing it as an adult because I feel like debut is probably at least for me one of the least re-listened to albums like there's definitely a few tracks that I'm like yes that's going on this playlist this definitely captures like the emotion I'm feeling right now but I think the last time I've probably listened to this album in completion was maybe when I was 16 at the very very oldest I think uh, so it's been really fun to go through all of these songs again with 
both of you, as well as all of the guests that we've had on for this season. I have something very special planned for Christmas time, and I'm very excited about that. You will be hearing a few people that we have already had on Starbucks Lovers, and I'm hoping to pull in a few more people to join us to talk about Taylor Swift songs in general. It's not going to be tied just to debut, but just some fun holiday shipping. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, Literally already planning to send out some Twitter DMs about that in the next couple of days. I can't wait for everybody to hear that Christmas special. But thank you both so much for joining us today. As always, you've been listening to Starbucks Lovers, a Taylor Swift podcast on the Geeky Waffle. You can follow me over at Maggie of the Town and on Taylor Swift Pod. Where can folks follow both of you? You can find me on Twitter at Candace the Geek, everywhere on the geekywaffle.com. You um, are everywhere. You are the Geeky Waffle. And you can find me on Twitter at Arzuamin. You can also find me at the Geeky Waffle at Arzud2.com and at Your Money Geek. I'm all over the place. You are. Yes, until next month. 